This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to another episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We're your host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Back with another positional preview. We started with the running backs. Then last week, we took a look at the defensive side of the ball with the linebackers. And this week, Michael, we're back on the offense, taking a look at the receivers. And this is easily the most improved position group on the entire team. A really exciting unit um, and a really fun one to talk about. So let's just hop right into it. Michael, what do you think about this unit? I mean, just your overall thoughts on, on the players that are Right now, consisting of it, we'll, we'll hop into the the top six a little bit more in depth. But when you t- take a look at the the group of Davis, Moore, Mims, Cole, Crowder, and Berrios, what's your reaction? Yeah, this is a really exciting group. And for me, it all starts with the depth. Obviously, there isn't, at least as of right now, a superstar in this unit. There are some guys who have the potential to be that between Davis, Mims, and Elijah Moore. But until there is that superstar, the depth is really the highlight of this group. The fact that they're really six deep with guys who are um, capable NFL players is really impressive. And it's a big step up from where they've been the past few years. You just look at the 2018 season when, you know, you lose a couple starters and you're playing Andre Roberts and Richard Matthews and Sharon Peak. It, it was very rough. Now the Jets are in a spot where they could lose three starters and still put out Denzel Mims and Jameson Crowder and Keelan Cole or Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios and Elijah Moore. So um, they're in a really good spot in terms of depth. I I did an article on it. I don't think there's a team in the league who's as deep as the Jets are at wide receiver in terms of how good their fifth and sixth options would be. If you compare to Crowder, Cole, Berrios, if you, however you want to divvy those guys up at the bottom of the depth chart, but um, the depth of this unit really stands out in it and guys are going to get hurt. It always happens. So once that does happen, the jets are going to be in a really good shape to where there isn't going to be a huge drop off or there will be some drop off, but as big of a drop off, uh, there won't be as big of a drop off as most other teams in the league because right. they, their depth is so good. Yeah. I, I would easily say that the receiver group is, is one of those positions that is constantly hit by injuries just across the league. You're always going to lose a couple of your guys for, hopefully just a few games, but sometimes there are season ending injuries for multiple guys at this position group. The jets have certainly experienced that before with the noon one Decker in 2016 and et cetera. I mean, this is a group that just gets hit hard, especially as you get into October, November, towards the end of the season, you just constantly seem to always be down one guy. There's not many games where you have a full squad at receivers outside of, uh, outside of week one. 
Um, so I agree with you. The depth is certainly the most impressive part of this unit. Um, and it's super important when you have a young quarterback and a rookie quarterback and Zach Wilson, because yeah, if you have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady and you have a proven veteran quarterback, then you can kind of take the attitude of, we don't really need to invest in the receiver spot as much because he can make anybody look good. You know, you, the back end of your receiving, uh, receiving room doesn't need to be incredibly deep because as long as you have Aaron Rodgers under center, he can make any college receiver look like an NFL receiver. But when you have a young quarterback like this, and it's the way the Jets failed, failed Darnold, um, uh, kind of Sanchez. Sanchez, his first year, didn't have a great receiving group. They had to trade for Braylon Edwards and whatnot. But this is, I would probably say, the best receiving room a Jets rookie has ever walked into, just when you look at the, the sheer depth that he's never going to be left, like you said, throwing to Sharon Peak and Andre Roberts um, and, and you know Deontay Burnett. Um, you know, those days at least for 2021 are over. Um, and I really, really, really like this unit that, that Joe Douglas has constructed. Let's just hop into it. And you mentioned him, Corey Davis, who right now is the number one receiver on this roster and, and a, a really interesting free agent signing. I mean, he was the number five overall pick. He was the pick right before Jamal Adams in that 2017 draft. And, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily lived up to expectations, probably not, but the last two seasons he's put on tape have been, very good. I mean, he's been playing second fiddle a little bit in Tennessee, especially last year to AJ Brown. Um, but he's coming from a system that is very similar to this LaFleur system. And he's getting a chance to really flourish as that number one receiver as he enters the prime of his career. So Michael, share some insight on the analytics and, and the strengths and weaknesses of Corey Davis and what he's going to bring to this, this offense. Yeah. Corey Davis had a really good breakout season last year. It was more than just, um, him sort of kind of finding his own and making a few big plays here and there. He was elite last season in terms of his efficiency. He didn't get a ton of targets because he was obviously playing second fiddle to AJ Brown. That was a run heavy offense with Derrick Henry carrying the load. Um, they passed the ball less than most teams in the league, but in terms of what he did with the opportunities he did get, he was about as good as really anybody in the league. Um, you look at his yards per target, the percentage of his targets that were first downs. He was incredible last season. He took a big step, uh, step up, 10.7 yards per target. He had 49 first downs and touchdowns on 92 targets. That's over half of his targets. The typical rate for receivers is usually around 40% or high 30s. Um, he was 49 out of 92. That is about 40 or 54%. And that was the best in the league among qualified wide receivers. Um, so he was really effective last season. Um, and he's definitely going to make, I think he's going to be the top target to start out. We'll see how Elijah Moore develops. And we'll obviously talk more about him, but um, we'll see how Elijah Moore assimilates himself into this offense if he can take over that top role. But to start out, I think Corey Davis is going to, uh, really, for the first time in his career, be a featured option. He did get 112 targets to lead the Titans in 2018, but uh, th that's not necessarily top, top receiver um, workload. Uh, and the past two seasons where he really kind of took off a little bit, he was the second fiddle to Brown. So I think he's going to have a lot of pressure early this season, and we'll see if he can uh, convert that efficiency that he showed the last two seasons into a bigger role with the Jets. Uh, and I think a big one of the more an important thing with Corey Davis, an underrated part of his game um, that is kind of a consistent across some of the players they've added this off season is his blocking. He's a really good blocker. 
consistently grades as one of the best run blocking receivers in the league. Uh, and that's going to be huge in this outside run game. Um, so the blocking is great. His efficiency last season, he made the most of his targets at an elite level. Um, and also his contested catches. That's a big thing with him too. He's one of the best contested catch rates in the league, consistently catches over 60% of his contested targets. Um, so there's a lot to like with Corey Davis. Yeah, I think the blocking is definitely the most, maybe I shouldn't say the most important part, but certainly the most uh, underrated part of his game. And like you said, it's a, a consistent theme across the board here for the Jets. And this outside zone system certainly has a ceiling on it if you don't have receivers who can block well. But if you have receivers who can effectively block and you look at what they did in, in Tennessee, which is a slightly different system, and obviously they have Derrick Henry, um, but those long runs, especially down the sideline, those are almost every single run over 20 yards can be attributed to some wide receiver blocking in some way, unless it's right up the middle, which are very rare. A lot of times it's off tackle and you need your receivers to seal off the corners and sometimes get to the third level and seal off the safety. Um, I think Corey Davis is, is uh, run blocking is going to be huge. And also it opens up a lot of things in the screen game, which is something you saw Adam Gase try to use a lot last year, those wide receiver bubble screens and stuff. And it's a lot easier to run those concepts when you have receivers out in front who can block. And when I, and there's, we're going to get to a few guys on this list that I think can really benefit in that type of screen short yardage game. Um, but if he has a Corey Davis in front of him or um, a Denzel Mims or some of these receivers that the Jets have that are really proficient in blocking, Keelan Cole's another one. Um, it's going to open up a lot of those short yardage receiver screens. Um, so Corey Davis is a very big uh, key to this Jets offense. I think at the very least, he's going to bring you a lot of uh, utility. Um, but I think he certainly has a high ceiling to really take the next step um, in his development and becoming a, a bona fide um, number one receiver. I think he's definitely going to be the X receiver for this team. And in this offense, there's not really as much of a defined X Z, you know, they kind of uh, switch interchangeably, but I definitely think you're going to see Corey Davis split up by himself, um, take a the majority of those press coverages and play outside uh, the majority of the time versus a guy that we're going to get to in Jamison Crowder. And I guess we'll hop into him right now, who is very strictly a slot receiver. You're never really going to see Crowder flexed outside uh, unless it's a, a weird for formation and somebody comes in motion or whatnot. And this is a guy who it, it's weird because I was watching the 2019, I was watching a game from the 2019 season just to, well, I don't know why, I guess I hate myself. Um, and it's, it's funny that Jamison Crowder is, and Chris Hernan, I guess, are the only remaining players from that offense. I guess you could throw Alex Lewis and Josh Adams in there, but they're not starters. Um, so Crowder is one of the longest tenured jets and uh, you know, it's been a, a rough, tenure for him a rough two years um, with how bad this team has been. But on a personal note, Crowder has been the most consistent jet on this team, or at least in the offensive side of the ball really flourished in Adam Gase's uh, system. When you look at Kyle Shanahan's offense and what they ran in San Francisco wasn't as much as a defined role for a slot receiver. They played a lot more 12 personnel. Um, but when you look at Matt LaFleur's offense in green Bay, Michael Floor's brother, there was a little bit more of a, of a role to go with 11 personnel, to give a chance to somebody like Crowder. Michael, how do you think LaFleur will, will try to use Crowder? How do you scout his fit into this offense, considering he's going to be asked to do some things that he wasn't asked to do um, the last two years in a, in a system he really flourished? It, it's going to be really interesting to see what their plans are for Crowder, because obviously drafting more does kind of put a roadblock for Crowder, but uh, with more primarily being a slot receiver in college, but the biggest intrigue with Moore is how versatile he is. So I, I don't think he necessarily will 
block Crowder in the slot. I think there still will be some slot reps yeah. for Crowder to get. Obviously, Crowder won't be as featured as he was the last couple seasons. It's a good but, thing. Um, yeah, that, which is definitely a good thing because as, as much as I like Crowder, I'm a vocal Crowder fan, but um, if he is as big of a focal point of your offense as he was the last two years, um, then you need more talent. But uh, I think he's going to have a role that is going to allow him to produce a lot more efficiently than the past couple seasons. I think Crowder's a good player, but he was hogging a lot of targets, catching a lot of checkdowns, and the Jets passing game wasn't really explosive. But right. now I think I think Crowder has an underrated deep game that we didn't get to see too much of um, or haven't gotten to see too much of in his Jets tenure because he's had to handle so many checkdown targets and be that safety valve, that go-to guy. But now I think he could have a chance to know run some more seam routes some wheel routes things like that um in a more situational uh, role where he's not playing as many snaps and you have a chance to be more creative with him more so than where he has to be relied upon to always be available for the quarterback so i i think crowder is obviously going to see a huge decrease in his playing time but uh, i think they there are a lot of different ways you can use him i think that his after the catch ability is underrated um, his yak numbers have consistently been very solid and his broken tackle numbers, his yards after catch above expectation, consistently really solid. He's good in those areas. He doesn't get as much credit for it, but he's pretty good there. So I think he can thrive in this offense. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they use Crowder. I think he's going to be a good small sample kind of weapon who will see a small share of snaps per game, but do a good amount with them. Yeah, I think the biggest role that he's going to fulfill is he's going to be Zach Wilson's safety valve, which he was a bit of that for Sam Darnold, but I just think those short, over-the-middle, third down, that's what Jameson Crowder really excels at. But I agree with you. I think he's actually a lot more versatile than we've seen, and I think he's going to get more of an opportunity to, yeah, come in motion uh, and run those wheel routes and get targeted down the field. I don't. I think his uh, yards after the catch ability is severely underrated. He didn't have much of a chance to show up, but Crowder is shifty. Uh, make no mistake about it. Obviously, he's primarily an underneath over the middle slot receiver. But if you get him the ball out in space, he can make people miss. He's certainly no Elijah Moore. He's not, I wouldn't define him as a jitterbug by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think he's necessarily a bad fit uh, in this offense. I think there certainly can be at the minimum a role for a slot receiver like him. But, you know, you're, you're talking about how you think his snaps are going to be significantly diminished. I actually, I mean, they're obviously going, his targets will be, but I actually think you're still going to see quite a bit of Jamison Crowder on the field because he's such a good receiver and he's so underrated. Last week we got asked, you know, who's the most underrated Jet of all time. And obviously Crowder's not the answer for that. Um, but if you're going to go most underrated Jet on the, on uh, as far as a league-wide perspective, a guy that not many people talk about, it would obviously be Jamison Crowder for the last two years because he's been a damn good player, one of the best slot receivers in the league. And he obviously just hasn't gotten the, the, praise because of the situation he's been in so at the, at the very least he's going to have a role in that uh sense but i do think you're right i think he's going to get a little bit more targets down the field uh and they're going to use him slightly differently um but like you said the jets did draft somebody uh in the second round who is most likely going to take um crowder's job at least next year and is certainly going to take away some reps this year although he's quite versatile so maybe they can have Crowder and more on the field at the same time, which is something I certainly think we'll, we'll um, dive into a little bit later into this podcast, but Elijah Moore, who has gotten more hype in mini camp and OTAs than I think I've ever seen for any Jets player ever. 
Um, which let's hope he can live up to that because Connor Hughes is calling him easily the best player offense or defense on the field. And, you know, obviously that doesn't really include the guys in the trenches and Marcus May didn't really practice, but still it's impressive for a rookie, a second round rookie. Um, I, I guess you could still say, I don't think you can say the jets really have a second round curse anymore. Cause may is probably is, is one of their better players. Mims. We kind of like what we've seen from him, but a second round pick for the jets, which they haven't had great success with in the last you know decade or so. Um, certainly seems like the jets have fallen in love with Elijah Moore and his fitness offense. Michael, how do you feel the jets will try to use him this year? Yeah, well, well, first on Crowder, I agree with what you said. The possibility is definitely there that he could still be a pretty much a starter in this offense, even if his role decreases a little bit. There, They still could use him that way. There is enough versatility in this room to where he could still end up having that starting slot role. But um, part of the reason you have the ability to do that is because Elijah Moore is a guy who can play pretty much any position. He's primarily a slot receiver in college, but he can do damage at any part of the field. He ran about 80% of his routes out of the slot last season, but still 20% from the outside. And he actually was more productive on the outside, 4.5 yards per route run on the outside and 3.3 yards per route run from the slot. Both of those numbers are ridiculously elite, but obviously that's a big advantage for the outside. So he can do both, even at his size. He is Antonio Brown-esque in that way to where he is good enough with his hands and his get off and his technique to, and also his ability to make contested catches, even at his frame um, to where he can play on the outside and he can play the Z role for you. Um, even the X sometimes he's good enough at getting off the line. Um, so the versatility with more does give them the potential to run some lineups where you have more Davis and Crowder out there. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, if you're running, 10 personnel maybe throw mims out there as well or keelan cole there's so much versatility in this room really there's a lot of ways to do it but elijah moore my favorite thing about him is that he's not the just this gadget guy that i think a lot of us thought they were aiming for when we first heard his name announced he has three level potential he averaged over 100 yards per game on passes thrown over 10 yards past the line of scrimmage last year, which was the most in college football. So he's not just an underneath, throw him a screen, give him an end around type of guy. He can do those things well, but he can get downfield. He can win on a slant. He can win on a crossing route or a dig route. He is a really complete player and he has superstar uh, potential because of that. So that's the most exciting thing for me with Elijah Moore. Yes, he can fit into this offense doing jet sweeps, and taking screen passes things like that but he is a big time playmaker and he's a complete wide receiver he just has to answer that question about the size and on his college film he didn't answer that question it was not a problem for him he made contested catches at a high rate he got off the line of scrimmage against press it it was not a problem for him we'll see whether or not he can do that in in the nfl is obviously another question against better talent but So far, it has not been an issue for him, and he's shown very complete wide receiver talent. So that's my favorite aspect of his uh, appeal. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite players the Jets added this offseason. And another example of a draft pick when it's that you're not expecting, but you certainly can come around on uh, extremely fast. I think when he was first drafted, for a lot of Jets fans, it was like, 
oh, they went receiver, which was not expected. A lot of us didn't think they would go receiver until a little later in the draft because, you know, corner was seen as a bigger need. Maybe they doubled down at offensive line. Um, but I'm ecstatic with, with the addition of Elijah Moore. And I think, you know, without him, I thought this receiver unit was, was much improved. I thought it was okay. You've added some depth. I think it's a good um, unit. I think it was without Elijah Moore, the unit that they had built through free agency was about the type of unit that I thought um, the, about the type of improvement that I thought Joe Douglas would make from 2020 to 2021 at the receiver unit, but just adding Elijah Moore, a guy with superstar potential like that takes this unit ceiling so much higher uh, and yeah, kind of like what you're saying. I mean, it's not going to work out like this most likely, but if assuming Crowder and Moore are healthy for all 16 games, I would not be surprised if Elijah Moore ends up ultimately playing more, so, uh, more snaps at the Z position than the slot position, you know, playing more snaps outside just because, you know, ultimately you want Elijah Moore to develop into a little bit more than a slot receiver, which I think he already is. You Wanted to be a Tyree Kill or a Tyler Lockett, guys who started out primarily as strictly slot guys. They're because they're you know on the smaller side of the, the spectrum, um, and they're speedy, fast guys. And then they become such dominant players that you don't want to take them out when you only have two receivers out there. So you want to put them out there. Um, I think Elijah Moore, because of how good Crowder is, uh, is going to be forced to be a bit more of a Z. Now, can he handle that? If not, then you're going to have to make the judgment call of, okay, let's not throw him out there too early. Let's give him some more snaps in the slot, balance his snaps between Crowder. But if you want me to name the Jets' best three receivers right now, and look, it's a bit ridiculous to say without seeing Elijah Moore on an NFL field, but just based off the type of receiver that I believe the Jets are getting, I think their three best receivers are Corey Davis, Jameson Crowder, and Elijah Moore. So I think the Jets are going to do all they can to get all three of those guys out on the field. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jets' starting lineup as Davis at the X, more at the Z, and Crowd at the slot for a considerable portion of the season. Um, I really like what he brings. And kind of what I was saying with Crowder earlier, how they can mix it up the way they use him. Uh, I think you're going to see Crowder in end rounds, but I think that type of stuff is primarily going to be drawn up for Elijah Moore. I think he's already returning punts. I think you're going to see him in end around screens. Um, and he's obviously can, can uh, hit the home run as well in the deep ball. So it, really, really fun addition here. Just get the ball in his hands and, and good things will happen. And the Jets have not had a player like Elijah Moore. I mean, Santana Moss, maybe the last, I mean, Santonio Holmes, probably the last time. I don't that, think they've had a player who can, uh, who, 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 who was what Elijah Moore can be. Right. Well, Elijah Moore is a little bit more of like the new age uh, because we've seen Tyree kill Tyree kills type of receiver didn't really exist before he came into the league, obviously there were fast guys who could play on the outside. And there were things, there were receivers who were better than Tyree kill, but a guy that small and that fast playing on the outside, wasn't really as, as much of a common threat as it is now uh, with Tyree kill and with Tyler lock and with Antonio Brown, um, that new age of receiver um, is certainly a, a category that Elijah Moore fits into. I think, I think Santonio Holmes is the last receiver you can go back to with this type of exciting potential. And look, we haven't seen more in a field. We don't necessarily know what type of player he was. Chris Herndon was called a unicorn last training camp and proceeded to have a really big letdown of a season. So I think we should keep our expectations. Uh, it's, it's possible to say keep our expectations low, but just not um, put too much pressure on it. But I will say one of the biggest emphasis that Joe Douglas has had on adding players this off season has been on their character and what they bring as far as their work ethic. Um, and by all reports, uh, Elijah Moore has been, uh, you know, a stand-up uh, player, even as a rookie, um, getting to the facility at 6 a.m. And, and working out with Michael Carter and really trying to put his stamp 
uh, and, and send a message to the coaching staff that he deserves to play um, from day one. Cause I think when he was first drafted, we thought, okay, I'll return punts. He'll be the fourth receiver. He'll come in, but now it's only been many camp and OTAs, but I already feel like the jets are going to really find ways to get Elijah Moore on the field as, as often as possible. Now this next guy on the list, Denzel Mims is a guy that we were really excited about last year. His rookie season kind of got derailed a little bit by injuries. He came back week seven and I think he had a fairly good rookie season. I think he had about the type of season that you could expect or hope for in that circumstance with a quarterback playing as bad as Darnold was on a winless team playing under Adam Gase. All you were kind of looking for from a Denzel Mims was, who, by the way, was a raw prospect. It's the reason he fell to the second round. It's not his ceiling that's ever been in question. It was just the type of player he was going to be coming out. Um, coming from that Baylor offense, his route tree really wasn't as developed. You were just hoping to see flashes. And I think we definitely saw flashes. And the thing I really like most about Denzel Mims, and you mentioned this with, with Corey Davis a little bit, but when you look at the type of receivers that Zach Wilson had at BYU, it were those big, tall possession catch receivers, those guys he could throw back shoulder fades to, those guys he could throw deep balls to, that he, he could just trust to bring it down. If he could just give them a chance, Dax Milne was obviously his go-to at BYU. I think Denzel Mims fits that role um, tremendously for this Jets team. I mean, I think the hardest part for him, and I guess you could hop into this a little bit more, is is he necessarily the type of receiver LaFleur generally looks for when he's building an offense? Mims isn't a stereotypical Shanahan West Coast receiver. So the Jets are certainly going to have to carve a role out for him. Now, Kyle Shanahan did that for Julio Jones. It certainly can be done. And I think when you have a player as talented as Mims, I don't think you should completely discard him just because he's not your ideal scheme. But I certainly think you could find ways to get Denzel Mims on the field. Um, and that's all we've been asking for for years is have a coach who molds his scheme to his players. Michael, how do you think Michael Floor can mold his scheme to fit Denzel Mims' strengths? I think Mims fits in a little bit better than most of us have been giving him credit for because you look at some of his best plays last season and the first thing you think of is some of the contested catches he made vertically uh, down the sideline, but he also had a lot of contested catches going vertically that he didn't make. The routes that he was the most consistent with were the ones over in the middle, slants, um, little whip and jerk routes over the middle, dig routes, crossing routes, stuff that sent him over the middle where he could catch the ball in stride. That's where he really got to see his speed after the catch show up because he put up the great numbers at the combine in terms of his speed and everything. You know, he was around a four, four guy at his, at his big frame, which was really impressive. And it's not really on the go routes where you saw that so much, um, he his vertical separation more comes from physicality than speed, but when he's catching the ball over the middle, that's where he you saw him start to separate from guys, and you also saw him show some elusiveness on those catches over the middle, catching the ball, stopping on a dime, letting the trailing defender go past him, breaking that tackle, getting some more yards. Um, so I think those are the types of things that fit in really well in this offense, just running over routes, crossing routes, digs, things like that. Um, off of, especially off of play action. Um, and this is something Corey Davis does really well too. So both these guys can fit in pretty well um, in a similar role, which will make it interesting to see how those snaps are kind of divvied up. But uh, I think Mims does fit in better fit this offense better than we give him credit for because his ability to use that speed and physicality and elusiveness on catches over the middle um, and also that vertical game is something that I think can be his niche, his niche in this offense. Corey Davis, 
it's not necessarily his game. He can win vertically down the sideline, but it's not really his bread and butter. Um, Elijah Moore obviously can do it as well, but I think his primary responsibilities will be other aspects of the offense. Some of the things we talked about, screens, end arounds, but also the intermediate game, just running out routes, curls, things like that. Um, and then you look at the rest of the guys in the roster. Keelan Cole can be that deep threat. Um, he's not necessarily amazing, but I think Denzel Mims does have the best vert. Not the best. I would say Elijah Moore's potential in that area is better, but again, he will be handling other responsibilities. So I think Mims can settle in as this offense's primary deep threat. Um, the go route was his most common route last season. He was targeted nine times on it. And he also drew a penalty on one. So 10 times really out of his 45 targets, which is almost a quarter of his throws. Um, so I think he can settle in as a primary deep threat. And I think his ability to um, make plays after the catch on routes over the middle uh, makes him a pretty good fit in this offense. So I think Mims fits in better, better than we're giving credit for. Right. And I, I do feel like collectively we've kind of lost a little bit too much confidence in him based on just the fact that he didn't get too much camp um, mini camp and OTA playing time. Um, I think we should still remain optimistic about Denzel right. Mims. Yeah. And LaFleur said that, that it was going to give, it was just going to take reps for Denzel Mims um, to get a, a, accustomed to the NFL, just because Keelan Cole, a veteran is getting a little bit more reps than Denzel Mims in OTAs and mini camp in June. Um, doesn't really mean anything. I think in many ways, first of all, this is Denzel Mims's first full off season. So in many ways, he's still a rookie. He only played half a season. He didn't have a full off season. He's still very much in the middle of his development. He's nowhere near a finished product. And he brings a lot of things that other Jets receivers don't bring. Um, certainly, if you're going to go with your, if you're going to run the football, you want Corey Davis and Denzel Mims out there because Mims is a great blocker as well. Um, I think you're right. I think part of the reason he gets underrated as a fit is there's a misconception that he's not good after the catch. And sure, he's not Elijah Moore, but I think you saw it in that Patriots game for sure. A few times he can certainly, he's certainly fast enough to separate. Um, he's physical enough to, to land a stiff arm and, and fall forward. Um, I think he's good enough after the catch. I think the biggest thing that's going to hold him off the field is his route running. I think until his route running gets a little bit crisper until he's developed a little bit more of a route tree. I think that is when you're going to see him on the field a lot more. I still think the jets are high on Denzel Mims. I would not, sell my stock on Denzel Mims yet. Would I draft him in fantasy? No, but maybe he's, maybe he's a guy towards the end of the season. I think he could really start to, to hit his groove. Um, and, and I think I'll have a, a role from the beginning. Like you said, I think in the, first of all, his wingspan's insane. So you, you have to find a way to take advantage of that deep balls, red zone. He can be your possession guy. And as we mentioned, there's always injuries. Denzel Mims is going to find his way into the field. And, and I think through more reps, he's going to find his, uh, find ways to impress um, uh, right, right. And, and in terms of the after the catch ability, I think, like, are you going to throw a screen pass to Denzel Mims? No, no you're Adam not going to do might. that. He didn't. Yeah, Adam Gase. Although yeah, Adam Gase did, throwing, well, he was throwing screens to Demarius Thomas. Just keep that in mind. Right. And Trevon Wesco. But yeah. oh, <laughs> um, I forgot about that. But you're not going to throw a screen pass to him. Baylor didn't do it. The Jets didn't do it last year. That's not something he can do. But can he catch a pass in stride over the middle and have a full head of steam that's as good as or better than most receivers in the league at his size? Yes, that is something he can do. Um, you saw it in the Patriots game, the first one, um, the Raiders game. There, there were a few catches he made throughout the season in which he really saw uh, the Dolphins game. 
um, in which you really saw that stand out. So it's a different type of yak. He's not like an Elijah Moore type of receiver where you're going to throw a screen pass or give him an end around, but um, play action, find him on a crossing route. He's going to do some damage. Um, and in terms of the route running, um, there are some improvements for him to make. His He had a very, a very high percentage of his targets were contested last year, one of the highest rates in the league. And obviously he's pretty good at making those catches, but you would like for a lower percentage to be contested. The fact that so many are contested tells you that he's not separating enough. So that is something yeah. that he can get better at, especially um, but- on, on vertical routes down the field. The last Patriots game in week 17, you saw him get locked up a few times. Um, but but that is supposed to be his game. That's why his rate is so high right. because you want him to be that guy to where it's like, right. um, you're in trouble. There's nowhere to go. This is the guy I'm going to go to. Um, who's going to give me the best chance to get a completion just by throwing the ball up. That is his game. So it's always going to be part of it. But at the same time, I think he can get still get better with his route running overall, specifically on those vertical routes downfield. It's um, at least as far as an early beginning stage of your career, if you're going to have a weakness um, as far as separation for Denzel Mims is not necessarily the worst thing in the world because he's so good at those contested catch, uh, those contested catches. Um, and part of that's just to do his ridiculous wingspan and vertical and whatnot. As he develops into a better route running, if you can combine what he already has with get the ability to create any sort of separation, I think that's when you can really see him take off. And, and I think, you know, in an ideal world, what would the Jets starting lineup look like? It would probably be Denzel Mims at the X, Corey Davis at the Z, and Elijah Moore in the slot. And I don't think, I think you may see that personal package plenty of times. Um, this season. Um, but that is, you know, the hope is if Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore can both develop, obviously the Jets are already paying Corey Davis money. Those are your three starting receivers next year. Um, so between Moore and Mims, the Jets certainly have a lot of two receivers that are um, both have incredibly high ceilings. And if they develop can be cornerstones for this team at this position. Um, the last two guys will we'll hop into depth here. And we'll, we'll go a little quicker through this because we have plenty of questions to go through for this, this unit. But Keelan Cole, who is a really underrated free agent signing, um, was just very consistent in Jacksonville. Uh, maybe not a guy that what you would ever call a number one receiver, but I would say he's exactly what you want in your number four receiver, where it's like, I'm very confident with this guy starting. I love his potential. You know, he could maybe develop into a, a nice starting receiver. But if people get injured and Keelan Cole is starting, it's not the end of the world. I think he still brings plenty of speed. He still brings... Um, plenty to the field. He's not just a guy, um, but he's certainly not a, a superstar bona fide starter yet. Um, how would you quantify Keelan Cole and, and his fit in, in this offense? Well, I, th- I think the biggest thing with Keelan Cole that really makes him appealing as that number four receiver, like you mentioned, is his versatility. He can really play pretty much any role for you. He can line up in the slot. He can line up outside. Um, and throughout his career, he was used very in a very versatile way. Um, his slot reps throughout his career, going from his first season uh, to 2020, 35% of his reps to 22% to 52% uh, to just under 70%. So that's a lot of versatility um, and overall very close to 50-50 balance throughout his career. So the guy can do it all in terms of, obviously he's not going to be a superstar at every position, but he can adequately play a lot of different positions. And that's really valuable in a backup, but in terms of skill set, the number one thing is his contested catches. Um, 
percent catch rate on contested targets over the last three seasons, best in the league among wide receivers with at least uh, 20 contested targets over that span. And the thing about his contested targets, he's not a jump ball guy. He's only 6'1", 194. Um, but the ma- majority of those contested targets were um, like tough catches over the middle with right. guys draped on him, uh, a defender smacking him while he's coming over on a slant, things like that. So not a contested catch in terms of um, he's not a contested catch guy in terms of throwing, throwing a jump ball in the red zone, um, you know, throw him a fade route, things like that. But um, he's a very good tough catch guy over the middle. Um, so that stands out. And also the blocking. Uh, just like Corey Davis, really good blocker. So um, both of those things, uh, which are physicality related, contested catches, run blocking, both based uh, based on that toughness, physicality, um, really stand out. So versatility, contested catches, um, and his ability to run block, I think are my favorite things about him. Yeah, another great blocker. And like you said, because he can play everywhere, that's what makes him such a, a valuable depth piece for this team. Um, and I certainly think he, he's a good fitness offense uh, and reportedly was a guy that Joe Douglas has had his eye on for a while that the Jets have been trying to trade for Keelan Cole um, the last two off seasons. Finally, he ends up in New York and I think really gives the Jets a, a, a very, very solid, I don't want to be hyperbolic here. So I'll just, I'll just keep it as very solid starting five or uh, five deep receiver room. Now, as far as that six spot goes, that's the one that's kind of up for grabs. I mean, they, theoretically, the Jets could keep seven, but most likely the Jets will keep six receivers. Um, how they could cut it down to five. But I, th- I think the way that Braxton Berrios has been playing this offseason, I think he'll probably stick. Obviously, he brings you some versatility as a punt returner. Um, and th- the fact that he's been lighting up mini camp and OTAs, we'll see how it, it, it bodes in training camp. That's obviously um, going to be a big step for him and making this roster. I mean, what do you think Barrios brings to this team? And then how, do you think there's anybody on this remaining roster that has any chance of taking Barrios's spot? And just really quickly to round out the receiver room after Barrios, Vincent Smith, Jeff Smith, DJ Montgomery, Lawrence Cager, Josh Malone, Manasseh Bailey, and Matt Cole. Is there anybody in that group that you think has a chance to, to overtake Braxton Barrios? Um, or do you think Braxton Barrios keeps on at six spot? Or do you think the Jets maybe just cut Barrios and, and roll with five? Well, first on Barrios, uh, I did an, an article on him on Wednesday um, looking at the way he finished the 2020 season. And the theme for Barrios last year was that first half of the season, he started a few games, was a featured receiver a few times because of injuries. And he, he didn't play that well, five and a half yards per target under 30% of his targets were conversions. Um, so he, he's pretty unproductive. But the second half of the season, he barely played at all. He only averaged six snaps a game over the last eight games. But he still was able to get 184 yards on only 17 targets with seven first downs and a touchdown in basically one game's worth of snaps. So second half of the season, he was hitting the field a couple of times a game and the Jets were feeding him the ball on screen passes, crossing routes. There was um, the trick play against the Browns, which Crowder threw him the ball. And he just kept making plays every time he's on the field. Half of the time that he was on the field for uh, a passing play on, in the second half of the season, the Jets threw him the ball. And that is a ridiculously high rate. Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs led the league in targets 
and he was targeted on about 27% of his routes run. And Barrios was getting targeted 50% of the time. In the well, second it, half of the season. it lets the defense know what you're doing when he's on the field. Yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, it's a predictable thing, but it was working. He was averaging 11 yards a target, which is extremely high. So uh, I think this is a role that fits him really well. You're going to see him, I think, I think you are going to see the Jets kind of try to use him in a similar way where he hits the field, where he gets on the field for a small number of snaps per game. Like, like I said, last eight games last year, six snaps a game. I think you'll see something like that and they'll throw him some screen passes. Um, try to take advantage of the blocking of Corey Davis, Keel and Cole, um, and just find creative ways to use him. Cause I think his vision and the short area quickness that you see show up on punt returns really shows up when he uh, is able to get after the catch opportunities on offense and the jets kind of really dipped into that in the second half of last season. So um, I think just like Cole is a great fit as your fourth or fifth guy because of his versatility. I think Barrios is a great fit as your fifth or sixth guy um, because of what he showed he can do with a very limited amount of snaps last year. Um, Beyond Barrios, Vincent Smith stands out to me. In 2019, he had uh, three rushes for 53 yards. All three of them were conversions. Um, He showed some potential in that end-around game. So that's something that can make him a nice fit in this offense. Um, Actually, it's three rushes for 52 yards. Attention to detail. It's important. Thank you. you. Um, But he's also good as a kick returner. Had 10 kickoff returns that season. 29.9 yards of return. That was second best in the league. Small sample, but he's pretty consistent with those. Um, Six of those 10 went past the 25-yard line. So he's interesting as well. Um, Beyond him, honestly, no one else intrigues me. (laughs) Jeff Smith played last season, but he was maybe the worst receiver in the league. He had that one game against the Broncos, which was a legitimately good game. His season That was his season debut, and he was very solid. But for whatever reason, the rest of the season he did – absolutely nothing he had half of his yards for the season almost 81 out of 167 came in that broncos game over the next eight games he had 86 yards after putting up 81 against the broncos so did he get any opportunities after the broncos game i don't really remember him he was playing he had 28 targets over the rest of the season um uh, played at least 20% of the snaps in five games, at least 60% in four different games. Uh, he was just pretty bad. So he doesn't intrigue me too much. The rest of these guys, um, DJ Montgomery, um, Bailey, Josh Malone, have yeah. either barely played or not played at all, or they did play and barely did anything. Um, Lawrence Cager, he got some playing time last season, but wasn't too impressive, especially in that Colts game um, in week three. He's just not. And look, he's an undrafted free agent in his third game, but uh, he is 23 years old already, going to be 24 in August. And he's just not on the same page with Sam Darnold at all. Some of his route running kind of led, contributed to a couple of those interceptions. Um, So overall, I think the Jets are definitely, I would be surprised if any of those top six guys did not make the team. Um, To me, the only question is, Will there be a seventh guy? And if there is, I think my favorite is Vincent, uh, Vincent Smith. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they keep seven. I think they roll with six because I think with the NFL's extended uh, 
IR and practice squad rules. I think the Jets can stash some of these young guys on their practice squad. Certainly the guy who takes that sixth spot is going to have to contribute on special teams. So you can, I think you can eliminate Cager there. I think Malone did return the, the Jets for his opening kickoff last year, but I don't really, I don't think I'd qualify him as a, as a special teamer or a good special teamer. Um, it, it, to me, I agree. I think it's between Barrios and, and Vincent Smith. I'll put it this way though. I don't think Barrios has the job locked down even after really impressive minicamp. He certainly has the lead and the head start. But if any one of these guys has a great preseason, hell, even a Matt Cole or a Manasai Bailey, or I definitely didn't say that name right, or a DJ Montgomery, like if any of them have a Robbie Anderson-esque preseason, they could certainly bounce um, Braxton um, from, from that six receiver spot. Um, but I think, I think that he probably ultimately sticks the only, and part of the reason is because I think you're right. You can use him on some, while Vince Smith did show some end around potential. I think you can still use that with Braxton Barrios. I think you could still give him some screens. He was really efficient last year. He's a safe punt returner at the very least. Um, you don't really have to worry about him dropping the ball that much. Um, you know, seems like he works hard in the gym. Like, you know, he, he seems a character guy. He's been on the team for a few years. I think Barrios certainly has the the head start, but uh, it, it wouldn't shock me beyond doubt if, if uh, or beyond belief, if, you know, a guy like DJ Montgomery were to steal his spot after an impressive preseason. The thing that yeah, does yeah, I agree is- with you. He, he definitely has the advantage, but he has, he has a clearly limited ceiling. So if someone impresses, they could overtake him. Yeah. The big, the, the thing that limits Barrios is that he's very strictly a slot guy like Crowder. He's, you know, can't do much else outside. You're never going to put Barrios outside. I think Crowder can do a little, obviously much more than Barrios. I think, you're going to see Crowder's route tree open up, but you're still not going to see Crowder on the outside, just like you won't see Barrios. An argument for keeping him, though, before we move on, is I would assume this is Jamison Crowder's last year. Um, and keeping a guy like Barrios around, maybe he can slide into being the backup slot guy for Elijah Moore next year. And you, you can keep him around because it's a bit of a, a log jam at slot receiver right now between Crowder, Moore, hell, even Keelan Cole. Um, but if Crowder's gone, I think you're going to want somebody behind Moore who can, um, who can handle that slot uh, duty. And also if Elijah Moore is as good as we think he is, I don't know if I want him returning punts. So maybe, maybe it's valuable to, to keep Braxton on the team, even for that. Um, let's run through some questions here and then we'll get out of here. I guess, how would you say the, the receivers in this offense differ from the receivers in Adam Gase offense? Obviously not the players themselves, but the roles they're going to fulfill. Well, I think in terms of, uh, we talked about versatility a lot already, but I think that is, really the most important thing with this offense. I think Crowder and Barrios are your, you know, pure slot guys, but the other four players in this top six, I think can do uh, or, and will be can and will be lining up in a lot of different spots. I think both Davis and Mims, they're both primarily going to be on the outside, but I think they both, you know, they both can play X and Z. They both can operate, out of a bunch or, you know, a stack formation. We've seen that from both of them. Mims made some plays, you know, lined up tight to the line scrimmage, almost in a flexed out tight end sort of position. Um, and then more on Keel and Cole, I think can do pretty much anything. Both of them could line up in the slot, but even at relatively smaller frames, Cole is bigger than more. He's six one, one ninety, 190, uh, 194. That's still relatively small for a wide receiver or at least smaller compared to Mims and Davis. Um, But he too can line up on the outside and make plays. So I think those two guys um, are both going to, you're going to see both those guys lining up everywhere. Um, But in terms of the comparison to Adam Gase's offense, um, 
I think looking at the guys who are returning, so primarily Crowder and Denzel Mims, um, I feel like you're going to see Mims play pretty much. I just did a study looking at um, his most common route types on his targets last season. And the conclusion I came away with was that I think they used him fairly decently last season in terms of the routes that he was getting targeted on. The go route was his most common and I think that makes sense. That's where he has the most potential with his straight line speed, his contested catchability, strength, wingspan, ball skills, things like that. It makes sense that that would be his most common route. Um, and then following that, he did a lot of over-the-middle stuff where that yak ability could be showed off like we talked about. So um, I think Mims is going to be, be used pretty similarly to last season. I think it just comes down to is he going to be used in that role as a starter or is it going to be a situational role where Crowder or Cole is getting more snaps than him? Yeah. That's the question for me with Mims. Um, and Crowder, like we sort of talked about, I think we could see a more fleshed out uh, route tree for him on a smaller sample. Like you said, he could still also start because the possibilities there, you start uh, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore outside. Crowder stays in the slot. That still exists. Um, but I think he's definitely he's definitely going to be targeted less, even if he's playing just as much, just because there are so many more um, mouths to feed compared to the last couple seasons. Um, but I think Crowder's role is going to be fleshed out a little bit more. We rarely saw him go down the field the last couple seasons. It was or him mostly, going motion. Yeah, even the motion we didn't end see around end around um, stuff like that. I think we're going to see more from Crowder, and I think it will unleash him a little bit. I think he yeah. can do those things, and we haven't really seen enough of it because. He just had to carry so much load. Even running backs out of the backfield, the Jets haven't had guys who they obviously had Le'Veon in 2019, but last year they didn't have a running back hit 100 yards on the season. So Crowder sort of had to pick up some of that load and continue to be a very important checkdown option consistently. So he didn't have a ton on his plate in terms of big playmaking. Uh, we saw a little bit in the uh, he had that one long touchdown in the uh, game against the Patriots that Joe Flacco started. Right. Um, he also and- like, think about like the, and obviously he's playing in the slot here, but think about the Dallas game in 2019. I think he had a few passes that yeah. were a little bit more down the field, like 20, 25 yards over the middle. I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think right. you're going to see him go beyond the first five, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, which is what he was thrown to so often under Gase. Yeah. So I think that's the main synopsis with Crowder, right? He's going to be targeted less, but I think we'll see a little bit more versatility from him. And I think it's going to bode well for him because he is a talented deep separator. Um, Even last year, last year, there were some plays which he separated deep and the ball just didn't come his way. Flacco missed him. Uh, There's one play against the Patriots that comes to mind. uh, And there's one play in which Darnold missed him. Uh, I forget which game it was, but there was another one where he missed him too. He's a good deep separator and we just haven't seen too much right. of it. I think we'll see a little bit more. We saw, we saw it more in Washington. Yeah. In Washington. That was one of my favorite parts of him, uh, his game coming out of Washington to the jets. Uh, and that usage has gone down a little bit. And again, it's because the jets have a lot because the jets have had to rely on him so much to carry the load in this offense with other guys getting injured, you know, and, you know, just overall lack of talent. Right. Um, but I think that will be, a bigger part just looking at his yards per reception in Washington he was at at least 12 yards per reception in each of his uh, previous three final three seasons um, with the team for coming to New York his last season he was 13.4 
for his Jets career, he averaged only 11.2 yards per reception. Right. Uh, so he's more of a check down guy. I think we're going to see more in an expansion of his usage this year. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, and, and this might seem like a little silly of a point, but he does have a legitimate throwing arm. And I think that is yes. something the Jets can utilize on end arounds and trick plays and stuff. It, it is something that won't be utilized often, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Jameson Crowder throw the ball two or three times the season. Um, Cause it certainly comes in handy. And, and I think, I think Michael Floor will have some fun this season with some trick plays. Um, how do you think the snaps will be distributed um, this season? Cause kind of piggybacking off what you said, I think, I think Corey Davis is the only guy in this team that I'm, I'm, I would say this. I think Corey Davis is easily going to lead the team in snaps. And outside of that, it's a lot of guys who are at a similar point in their, in their, their talent career or role. I just think you're going to see a lot of, uh, of rotation. Yeah. It, I think the biggest X factor here is Elijah Moore's development. I think if he does come along as quickly as you hope, then he could easily be a 100 target guy right off the bat and leading this offense. It seems like they believe in him enough to trust him with that role right away. Uh, based on just everything we've seen from them, the way that the coaching staff and the front office have spoke about him um, and what he's done on the practice field so far. Um, so if he continues to play that way on the practice field, going into the season, back it up in preseason, I could see him being that number one option right away. And as for Corey Davis, I don't see him going lower than that number two guy in targets on the team. If more doesn't come along as quickly, I think Davis is your number one guy. Um, if he does, then I think well, Davis... Well, target, targets and snaps are a completely different yeah. conversation because I think yeah. Davis is easily going to lead this team on snaps because I don't right. think you take him off the field. Um, whereas I think there are times where Crowder's not, not going to be on the field or Moore's not going to be on the field. Targets is a different discussion. Um, how do you think they balance the, the snaps on the back end of the roster after Davis? Because um, I, I get what you're saying about targets, but uh, I think it's a little harder pr- to predict. Where you look at the snaps, it's just... You know, right now it seems everybody is a shot to, to, you know, play a considerable amount of snaps in this offense. Yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting how they decide to do it. Um, the personnel, the, the way they decide to use their personnel is going to be really interesting because the Niners were typically a tight end heavy team of 12, 22. Um, because, and they also had a fullback they could have on the field half the time and use check, which the Jets do not have and pretty much every team that does not have Kyle use check does not have um, <laughs> the strength of this roster lies in the wide receivers very heavily. This tight end group is, you know, frankly, you know, uh, there are skills you can rely on. Croft is a good blocker. West goes an okay blocker. Herndon can pass block and has some upside, but you know, on paper, this is not one of the best tight end groups in the league. So the strength of this offense really lies in the receivers. So are the Jets going to be an 11 personnel team um, and play into that strength of the roster? Or are they going to stick with what Michael Flores Niners did and, you know, be a very, uh, you know, heavier offense type of team that puts their tight ends out there quite frequently and fullback in the case of Wesco, who will be playing that role. Um, if they do, lean towards the wide receivers and play a lot of 11 personnel, even a good amount of 10 personnel, then I think you could see Davis more. And definitely I think Davis and Moore are going to have huge roles. I think the biggest question is how 
they divide up the rest of it beyond those two guys. Is there going to be a third guy who is, you know, just part of that starting trio? Or is it going to be a really even rotation? You know, is Crowder, Cole, Mims all going to compete for it? Or is Mims going to establish himself as that third guy? Is Cole going to do it? Or Crowder? Um, I, I do think one thing that's for sure is I don't think we'll see a lot of Barrios barring injury just because the rest of this roster is so talented. I wouldn't rule it out. He's played well in camp uh, or in practice so far. But I think it's between Mims, Crowder, and Cole. How is that third spot going to get divided? Um, but ultimately, I do think that there will be five receivers per game that see playing time. You look at the most wide receiver heavy teams in the league, like the such as the Bills last year, um, there's typically three guys who are playing the majority of the game. And then you have a fourth guy who plays maybe 25, 30% and a fifth guy who might get less than 10 snaps per game. So um, I think that's a decent guideline for how it might go. And the biggest question for me is how three, four and five gets lined right. up between Crowder Mims and Keelan Cole. So just looking at San Francisco and obviously the floor is going to be a little different, but they were in 11 personnel 44% of the time versus the jets who were in 11 personnel 72% of the time. Um, but the thing that's interesting about San Francisco, because they had use check, they were in uh, 21 personnel, which is when you have a fullback and a running back uh, 33% of the time, which I think because Wesco is going to be that fullback, the jets are not going to be in 21 personnel a third of the time. I mean, unless Wesco really impresses. So I think you're right. I think you're definitely going to see an increase in 11 personnel because the jets don't really have the strength to tie it in their fullback. Um, I think you're going to see, uh, the, the, the strength in this offense is in the receiver room. And I think you're going to see LaFleur take advantage of that. Um, who do you think leads the team in targets though? We we've established Davis is probably going to lead the team in snaps outside of that. I think you're going to see a healthy amount of, of Crowder and more followed by uh, Mims and Cole kind of fighting for that, that next level um, with Barrios kind of getting ignored. But when it comes to targets, who do you think ultimately leads um, becomes Zach Wilson's favorite receiver, I guess. I feel like it's going to be Elijah Moore. Uh, just because I don't think Corey Davis is the type of guy who's really like a target attracting sort of receiver. Right. I, I he's he's, he's going to do a lot of dirty work for this team. Take away right, attention, yeah. block. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think target uh, receivers get a lot of targets are guys who can um, get a lot of the underneath touches like check downs, just quick throws into the flat, uh, which I don't think Corey Davis will be doing a ton of because I think his primary job will be uh, to make those big plays down the field. So he might lead Davis might lead the team in receiving yards and touchdowns, but I think Elijah Moore is going to be, um, you know, the guy you go to on a hot route, you know, just get the ball out quick for getting blitz. A guy's going to get a lot of screen passes drawn up for him. Even some of those, you know, short little passes on, uh, you know, come in motion and it's, it's counted as a pass, but you're just tossing the ball to him. Some of those as well. Um, I feel like more will lead the team in targets, but I think Davis could be the most productive. Yeah. The only thing I, I tend to agree with you, but the only thing that holds me back a little bit is just how comfortable if, if more is going to be that Z and he's going to play on side uh, uh, on the outside a little bit more and play at the same time as Crowder. I agree with you. I think more is just going to be fed the ball um, because there's nobody else like him on this offense. But if it, if it turns out in training camp, it's like, you know what, let's slow down Moore's development a little bit. Let's just keep him mostly in the slot. Um, obviously, that was not the case in minicamp. Let's keep him mostly in the slot, and then you're divvying up his snaps with Crowder. I could definitely see him not 
reaching uh, leading the team in targets, in which case I do think it would be Davis just because he's going to be on the field every play. And I think you're right. I think the Jets, uh, I think he's a perfect scheme fit. And I think the Jets are really going to drop some plays for him so that he can become a bit more of a distraction. Part of the role a number one receiver plays is the fact that he, he takes attention uh, away from other parts of your offense. So you have to establish that. So I do think the Jets are going to try to feed Corey Davis the ball um, at the, at least the beginning parts of the season, uh, especially what are some of the different receiver personnel packages you're, you're looking forward to seeing? And I guess maybe a, a better question is which one do you think uh, we'll see the most? Uh, I, one version can be Davis and Mims on the outside with more in the slot, which is kind of the future hopeful um, package, I guess, based off mini camp, it would be um, Davis, Keelan Cole and Elijah Moore, um, you know, what are some of the different ways that LaFleur can use his, these receivers because they all have different skill sets and they all bring something different to the table. What are, what do you think will become LaFleur's favorite uh, bunch of, of probably three receivers? Yeah. And we talked about versatility a million times already, but that's, what's really exciting about this is that <laughs> there are so many different ways you can do it. Um, what if you want to go with a really slot heavy lineup? Like, Look at what the Rams have done. Not not that they're related to this coaching tree. Well, they are. Um, McVay is. They are, in, in a way. Um, well, but, they are. They both came under Mike Shanahan. Right, right, right. But, you know, I think, you know, the Rams ran a much different offense than the Niners. Right. They all have their season. spin on it. But they all have their different spin on it. But just looking at them as an example, they were a very slot-heavy team. They have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods out there who are both um, not necessarily small guys, but they're slot receivers first and foremost. And both of those guys do that the majority of the time to do the, most of their damage. Um, so, but if you want to run it that way and you have Elijah Moore and Jameson Crowder running the offense, or if LaVore takes a liking to Braxton Berrios, what if those two guys are on the field together a lot of the time? Or what if, you know, Corey Davis was signed to a big deal. I think this team's going to want to feature him pretty heavily and what if Mims develops the way you want him to? And you play those two guys outside, and this becomes a more vertical outside offense, uh, spread out offense, than we think it's going to be. And Corey Davis and Denzel Mims dominate the snaps with just one slot receiver, a more traditional right. set of receivers out there. Um, there are so many different ways to do this. Um, I, I'm really excited to see how this offense looks when they really spread it out and go with you know just one running back or one tight end, four receivers. Um, and you can have Davis, Mims, more Crowder out there. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting to see what this group can do when they just load up on receivers. Cause that's the strength of this unit. I would argue that um, I, I guess take out Barrios. Like I'd maybe take Croft or Herndon and over Barrios, but the, the other five receivers are probably better than any tight end on this roster. Right. So I think that's when you're going to have the most potential when, you go really light, really fast, just one back, one tight end out there and put four receivers out, uh, out on the outside. Who do you think becomes that second receiver in 12 personnel? Because in 12 personnel, not, not all the time, but a lot of the times um, you are looking to run the football and then maybe build off of it with some play action. So who do you think takes that outside role? Obviously it's not going to be Crowder. You could put Elijah Moore out there, but you know he may be, more forced in that Z roll because Crowder's on the field. So then it's like, if you're trying to run the football, maybe you want your best blockers out there, in which case it might be Denzel Mims, but also Cole's a really good blocker and 
he maybe brings more on the route running element. And how do you feel? Um, who do you think will take that second receiver spot opposite Davis in 12 personnel? Yeah, I, I think this is where uh, Cole and Mims can really establish themselves. But Pick one, damn it. Oh, uh, Keelan Cole came to mind first. Sorry, Mims. I love Mims, but Keelan Cole is the first guy that came to mind if I had to pick one, just because there are some plays that come to mind where Mims threw some really violent crack blocks. And I feel like, you know, if, if you're running 12 personnel and you want to threaten that you're going to run the football, you want to have a guy out there who can block to establish that threat. Wait, you're saying, and, you're saying Cole had some violent. Yeah. Crack yeah. Blocks. Cole. Um, yeah, no, but Mims too, which is why I mentioned both right. those guys. Yeah. Um, but right. you know, if you put, you know, say you run 12 personnel, you have, you know, a stack with two guys on the tight end side or whatever. Um, and you have Elijah Moore, Jameson Crowder out there. It could, you, it, that makes you more predictable because if you are running the ball, those guys can't block. It, it's going to be harder right. um, to be able to run the ball. Um, otherwise, you're tipping off to the defense that, you know, you're probably not going to run the ball towards those guys. But if you have Keelan Cole or Denzel Mims out there and the defense knows those guys can actually throw a block, it makes it a little bit more unpredictable for them to uh, figure out what's going to happen. So I right. think those two guys uh, make a lot of sense in those situations. Yeah, this is where Mims is route running and his development in that um, that situation is just really going to be huge for him. If he can develop more as a route runner, I, def- I, I hope he's in those 12 personnel packages before the end of the season. I like Keelan Cole, but I think Denzel Mims has legitimate number one wide receiver potential. He's a ways away from that at this point. Um, but I don't see Keelan Cole, Keelan Cole ever being a number one wide receiver. I could see Denzel Mims being a number one wide receiver for this team as soon as next year, but that's only if he develops. So I, I hope they give him the reps and, and I hope he can develop, grow into that role. Um, and I, I, two more questions here. Number one, because you have a rookie quarterback, what type of passing concepts do you think we'll see the most from this team? I mean, because the strength is at receiver, but at the same time, maybe they're not going to want to overload Zach Wilson and have him throw 35 times every game. Um, so when they do throw, what type of routes and, and concepts do you think they'll try to be running, uh, trying to be running? And then also how often do you think they'll be throwing the football here to these receivers? Because it's such a strength that you want to utilize it, but at the same time, you don't want to overload your rookie quarterback. And also your offensive line has become a bit of a strength. So maybe your, your emphasis is going to be more on the run game. I feel like this is going to be a fairly run heavy team. Um, but I think that when they do ask Zach Wilson to throw the ball, I think he's going to have not a lot on his plate, but I don't think they're going to go easy on him. Um, like I think it could be a Titans offense, right. kind of similar to the way they run their offense, where you know they're very run heavy, but they run the ball successfully enough to where they can create really favorable situations for the passing game to where you can ask the quarterback to be aggressive um, because he's put in situations where things are set up well for him. So I think we could see that with Zach Wilson right off the bat. It seems like they're confident enough in him. It seems like they're really confident in him for a right. rookie quarterback. The fact that they haven't picked up a veteran yet. Um, it, there's zero debate about him starting in week one at all. Unlike, which was not the case with Sam Darnold. And I'm just comparing this. Well, I mean, they have McCown the and Bridgewater. Right. They're no um, Luke Falk and Mike White. But not even just Darnold. Like, look at all the 2018 quarterbacks. None of them started in week one except Darnold. And right. Darnold had to win a competition to get there. 
Um, so it's pretty rare to see a rookie quarterback trusted to this level. It seems like they really do. Hey, trust they're not him. even announcing Trevor Lawrence as the bona fide starter yet. Yeah, exactly. And and the Jets, I guess, haven't done that either. But you know, it, it's set in stone. So they've shown a lot of confidence in him. I don't think they're going to go easy on him. Um, but I do think they're not going to ask him to throw a lot. I think it'll be they'll be a high run team. But when they do throw the ball, I think they'll be fairly aggressive. And I think they're really going to play into the strengths of what this receiver group can do. I think crossing routes are going to be a huge part of it, um, especially with Davis and Mims. I think they'll be a pretty screen heavy team with specifically more Crowder a little bit. Um, and then I don't think deep shots are going to be a huge part of it. Uh, I, every team does them, but I, I, I feel like they'll be a fairly low percentage team in terms of the number of vertical shots down the sideline that they take. But I think the primary part of this offense is going to be that in-breaking intermediate stuff with yeah. Mims, Cole, uh, Mims, uh, Corey Davis, and, and Elijah Moore as well can do those things very well. Yeah, I think an important distinction to make is even if you don't think the deep shot, and I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I do think you're actually going to see some deep shots. I, I don't think it's going to be like, they're not going to be running Andy Reid's offense here, but I do think you're going to see plenty of deep shots. But the, the point that I think you're making um, is that even if they're not taking the deep shots, that yards per attempt, I think, is going to really skyrocket for the Jets because they're not going to be throwing as many checkdowns. I think they are going to be throwing a lot more in that inter- intermediate 10 to 25 yard range. I think that's where you're really going to see the Jets bread and butter because the basis of the offense is to run the football, which is going to open up the pass where you can throw it deep and you can have a, a you know, their quarterbacks between Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, they're always towards the top of the league, the top half of the league when it comes to yards per attempt, even if a few of those guys aren't necessarily elite quarterbacks, just the scheme itself is built on run the football and then throw it over the top of the defense. So I think you're going to see some deep shots for this team, but I think you're right. I think you're going to see a play action based offense where a lot of stuff is going over the middle, a lot of intermediate stuff, taking advantage of Zach Wilson's mobility in the pocket. You mentioned Ryan Tannehill, I think is a, I hope Zach Wilson's a better version of Ryan Tannehill, but Tannehill has some similarities, especially in the mobility part of his game. And you've seen how Tannehill's flourished in this offense. I think they're going to tailor this offense a little bit more towards Zach Wilson, but I think it is this offense is tailor made for him. So I don't think they're going to, you know, have the uh, red light green light uh, system they had for Sanchez. I do think they're going to open it up, especially as the season goes on and you're going to see a high yards per attempt um, offense for this team. Um, where would you, lastly, I guess, where would you rank this unit um, in terms of, of the NFL? Well, I think there's two different ways you could look at it. I, firstly, in terms of depth, like we talked about earlier, I think they're right up there. I feel like if you're comparing how many different teams have go five or six deep as effectively as the Jets do here, I don't think there are, are a lot of teams that compare um, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Ravens, uh, I believe are a few that sort of came close. Um, but they're right up there in terms of depth. But in terms of overall talent, I think they're not quite close to the elite ranks just yet. Uh, just because, you know, their best receiver right now is Corey Davis. And he's probably the 20th best receiver in the league at best right now, if we're being objective about it. So without that top tier guy, um, and, and even beyond Corey Davis, as much as we like the rest of these guys, if, you know, if, 
if the rest, if a fan of another team or a non-biased person or unbiased person was ranking this unit, Crowder is still probably like 30th in the league. And then beyond that, you know, Keelan Cole and you have Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore who are unproven. So being objective about it, I don't, this is probably the depth really pushes them up, but lacking that top end talent just yet, that's proven. I think it probably can't be, I think it would probably put them around league average right now, but the depth is really good. I, I agree and, with you, but I think their performance is definitely in a top league, league average. I think right, right. now that, that's just right now, because these guys haven't proven it yet. You have Mims only played half season more. Who's a rookie and Corey Davis, who, had an elite season last year. I would say he was a top 10 to 15 guy, but it was just one season. Um, so the upside for this group is undoubtedly top 10. But for now, until that's proven, I think the most reasonable place to put them is probably around league average. I I definitely agree with you there that sometimes we can be a little bit biased towards this team. And we already, and even maybe it's not even biased. It's just we're a little bit, we know the type of player that Jamison Crowder is. We know what we've been reading about Elijah Moore and the hype we have for him. We know what we think Denzel Mims can be become. So maybe we bump him up a little bit more, but I think you're right. I think right now you could take the biggest Jets hater in the world. And I think they have to admit, okay, the receiver room is a bit of a strength for this team. Even if they lack a number one, not necessarily, or not necessary, I would say for this offense, obviously any number one receiver can help any offense, but the, the depth is the biggest part. The fact that Zach Wilson is going to be left throwing to a bunch of nobodies. Um, and I do think they have some, some star potential, especially between Moore uh, and Mims. Um, that's going to do it for this uh, positional preview. Um, you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania, myself at Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best Jets content around. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes. really helps us out a lot. Um, and I think that's it. Michael, any last words? Um, versatility, I think is something we haven't <laughs> talked about yet. Um, actually there, there is something else I want to bring up. Um, the jets have a pronunciation guide, um, oh, on their website. I need to read that. And so uh, I, I can learn from it too. I've learned well, hold a lot on. from let's, it. Let's, you know what we can do is, um, Manasseh Bailey. Yeah. That's actually the name I was going to bring up. So it's actually Manasseh. Manasseh. From, from his own words, this, um, this page on the site has recordings from the players themselves saying their own name. So, you know, it's good information. So, so it's Menashe Bailey. So it's on the Jets website? Or is it? Uh, just search like Jets. I put it the link in the Google Doc. But yeah, it, no, that nobody else has access to it side of me. Yeah. But how do you look up? How do you look uh, up the pronunciation? A, uh, Jets from... pronunciation guy. Okay. And then you can find every every player saying their own name. Yep, and okay, it comes, comes right up. Okay, I'll make sure to I'll make sure to study up. On and that. it is Jared Davis. It, it literally just says Jared, like the okay, name it is Jared. Is there any other ones that we've been having trouble with recently? I um, know there is. Any that come to mind? I'm, I'm looking at the list. Um, Jason Pinnock. It's um, just like that. Pinnock. Okay, not um, Hamilcar. Really messed that one up. Rashid. This is weird. Yeah, he's on Rashid. here. He doesn't have a pronunciation jets have got to update that he's he's listed but doesn't have a pronunciation on there um actually uh another one uh and i've heard it uh pronounced like this but i've always said it differently 
but it's Trayvon Wesco, not Trayvon Wesco. Trayvon Wesco. Oh, the other one is when, when Elijah Vera Tucker first got drafted, I was saying Elijah for some reason, Elijah Vera Tucker. Cause that's, I think there was somebody in the draft community that started saying it like that. And that's just how I repeated it. Um, trying to think if there's any others that I, we, we consistently mess uh, up. Um, Tristan Hodge. Is Hodge. The... Yep. There we go. Oh, we went back and forth on that one. You're right. Wow. Okay. So just look up Jets pronunciation guide. If you have any questions about that, I'll definitely make sure to study up on that. Considering that seems to be a consistent theme in this podcast. Um, oh, also, the- also um, he would appreciate this. He had a tweet about it recently. It is Makai Becton. It's not Mackie Becton. Um, okay. I mean, nobody's really making that mistake, well, are they? Look, he had, um, he had a tweet where he was saying that people were mispronouncing his name. So maybe some people need that education. Who looks at his name and goes, that's Mackie? I don't know. Someone does. All right. Well, um, appreciate all the, the lessons we've gotten recently. Appreciate the love. We'll be back on Monday with our regular scheduled CYJ um, podcast. And then next Thursday, we'll go back to the defensive side of the ball, taking a look at the defensive line. It'll be a fun episode. Everybody have a great week. The war quickly down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air picked off. Brian Poole to the end zone. Saved a touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.